Well, good morning. And uh, thank you to Susie and the team for leading us today. And uh, it's good to be with you. And it's nice to be able to uh, take part in this uh, series of sermons, talks on uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And this morning I need uh, to start off with only three volunteers. And you need to be uh, reasonably fit, uh, reasonably strong, okay? I've got no gender age difference, right? If uh, you're reasonably fit, I need three of you people up here and up here fairly quickly and it will be worth your while. Yeah, just come up. I will make it worth your while, I promise. We've got one. It's going to be a long morning if we have to keep calling them out. We need some guys from over there somewhere. One, two, three. Okay, here we go. Down here is fine, guys. If you want to go... No, we're not doing arm wrestling. Nah, no, no, no. This is easier than that. Okay, if you just want to come down here. And I'll come down as well. Okay, what I need... Let me see who looks reasonably fit. Yeah, you were first to volunteer. If you would like to just go over there and do 10 push-ups... Thanks. And if you guys in that section watch them, you can count them. If you'd like to do just five, maybe just here somewhere, and you guys can be watching on. And if you just want to do one just uh, over here, I'm <laughs> watching. Yeah, let's go. You counting? Counting? You counting? <laughs> All right, if you want to come back up on this main platform here, give them a clap. Um, I promise to make it worth your while. So you did one push-up, you get this. You did five push-ups, you get this. You did 10 push-ups, you get this. Thank you, please be seated. Now, who thinks that's fair, what I just did? Who thinks it's fair? It's a few. I did say I'd make it worth your while. Who wishes they had come up the front <laughs> and done a push-up for a box of chocolates, right? Who thinks it's fair? We got not many. Who thinks it's generous? Yeah, who expected just like a one little chupa-chup or something? Get a whole, and it's, it's a lint chocolate. It's quality. It's not even past a due date or anything, all right? It's a good, <laughs> it's a good fresh box of chocolates. Okay, so nobody particularly thinks that was really fair. Quite a number of people think uh, that was generous. Does it remind anyone of anything from the Bible at all? Right, what does it remind you of? A parable of, yeah, the parable of these workers, right? And if you've got your Bible, open to Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to look at that today. And uh, I'd just like to read it to you. So it's one of the parables of Jesus, and uh, Matthew chapter 20 reading from verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. And he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Denarius was a coin, was the average kind of pay that you got for a day's work if you were a laborer, a run-of-the-mill soldier, those kind of everyday sort of jobs. The fellow agreed to pay them a denarius a day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, and he did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around, and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? 
because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. And the workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, who had worked twelve hours, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who've borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, friend, am I not, am I not being unfair to you? I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I give you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, we're not to take this passage as Jesus' industrial relations policy. <laughs> all right? He's not advocating one fixed wage for everybody. Now, I remember speaking on this in a Christian school, and I had to make clear to the kids that I wasn't saying, if you're really slack and do virtually nothing, you're as likely to get an A as the kids who work really hard. All right, Jesus is not talking about an education policy here or an industrial relations policy here. Jesus begins by telling us he's wanting to illustrate something about the kingdom of God, something about what it looks like when God is running the show, when God's will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants to tell us here something about how God works, how God treats people, how God treats us. And what is it that Jesus tells us about that? What's he tell us here about God's way of doing things, about how God treats us? Well, he says that God is like the landowner, the owner of the vineyard. That God can be trusted to do what's right, because that's what the owner did. He didn't cheat anyone. God can be trusted to do what is right. But more than that, God is generous. God is generous. Is that how you see God? Is that how you experience God? Does he just do what's right? Is he just just? Or is God generous? Helps us appreciate this parable if we know that a denarius, I said that was a coin and you got that for a normal day's work, but there was another coin that was available and would have been available to the landowner, and that was called a pondium. And a pondium was worth one-twelfth of a denarius. So what this fellow could have done is to call the workers in and give them so many pondion per hour. You work the whole day, you get the twelve. You only work five, I'll give you five out of the twelve. And he could have apportioned it out in that way. So he could have looked at this whole thing in terms of some kind of calculation. But we see that this man didn't do this, and Jesus says God doesn't do this. There's no assessment going on here. It's not, you know, a reward for effort taking place. It's not, you put in a lot and you'll get a lot back. 
None of that is the spirit of the kingdom as Jesus presents it here. Instead, it's about generosity. The worker's payment in that parable actually said more about the landowner's values and disposition or attitude than it did about the worker's performance. It's really a parable about the landowner, isn't it? You know, not how hard did these fellows work, what did they deserve or any of that. It's about the landowner and what is it that motivated his rewarding of these people. And it was coming out of his heart, out of a generous disposition, out of an attitude of grace and mercy and abundance. And Jesus' point is that God treats us like that. That God's like the landowner. God treats us according to his heart and not our worthiness. Is that how you see God? Is that how you see God? That God treats us according to what's in his heart, not according to what's in our resume or in our record, but what's in his heart. That God is not calculating. I'm a former accountant, so I can say without any ill feeling, God is not an accountant. All right, in terms of no offense, therefore, to accountants, but God is not an accountant. God doesn't keep all sorts of registers and ledgers and journals and so on. God is not calculating, God is generous. In other words, God is kind. God is kind. He's not like one of those judges at the Olympics. You know, I don't know if you've been watching the Winter Olympics and you watch something like say, the figure skating I was watching the other day, and there was this absolutely astonishing performance by this American bloke, I can't remember his name, but, you know, he's doing, I think he did six quadruple axles, whatever they are, right, <laughs> during his, his presentation, okay? But at one point, he touched the ice with his fingertips, and the commentator says, minus two points or something, right? Well, you know, there's people who are watching, assessing, critically analysing, weighing up performance, and fair enough because that's the nature of that game. But that is not the nature of the kingdom of God. All right? God does not sit there and say, good try, pretty good effort, but you touched the ice. Right? Points off. Make it up. Try harder. Right? God isn't sitting there as a perpetual judge looking for mistakes that he might penalise us for. God is not paying us out with the pondions, the one-twelfths. God is generous. He's not a cosmic calculator. He's, not, he, he's the God who is a generous giver, eager to distribute good gifts to people because God is kind. God is kind. Is that part of your picture of God? You know, yes, God is holy, majestic, wonderful, awesome, indescribable, omniscient, om omnipresent, omni-whatever, right? God is all that stuff. God is kind. God is kind. He loves to bless. We see that over and over in the Scriptures. 
few examples. The psalmist rejoices in Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing in loving kindness. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. The prophet Jeremiah shows that, among other things, the Lord practices kindness and he delights in it. It's a value of God, kindness. The Apostle Paul stood up before a mob of pagans in Acts 14 and he says to them, you know, God has not gone without a testimony to you folks. The testimony didn't start when Paul and the others turned up. He says, God has not left himself without a testimony here in your presence. He says, God has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in your seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and he fills your hearts with joy. God is kind. God gives with generosity and in abundance. We only have to look at the world around us. You know, you look at uh, all of the color that splashed across nature. It's not there. Most of it's not there for functional purposes. It's there because God is wonderfully creative. And he doesn't just say a bit of blue will do there. He's got a million shades of blue that he spreads around the place. God puts beautiful flowers in places no one will ever see because he gives out of an abundance like that. He's this generous, giving, kind God. You know, look at all the variety and the vitality of life on our planet. It's an expression of this God who gives out abundantly. Look at the night sky, full of stars that none of us will ever visit. Some of them most of us will never even see. They're all there as this expression of the abundance of God. It all testifies to this God who has an attitude not of meanness and tightness, but of abundance. This God of amazing generosity. This God who loves to give good gifts to believers, but to people who aren't believers as well. God looks to give good gifts to everyone and in everything. God is so very very kind. In Titus 3, Paul tells us that this kindness of God is personified in Jesus. If you want to see it brought all down to earth and located in the one person, we look at Jesus. He's the kindness of God revealed. Think of how he befriended and how he blessed people who were unworthy and unwelcome. No one else wanted anything to do with them. Jesus didn't just connect with them. Jesus blessed them abundantly. Think of the so many people that he healed and delivered from demons. People who other people said were untouchable and unworthy. And he was just so wonderful to them. This is what God is like. Think of the cross of Jesus. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How kind is that. Such generosity for those who are undeserving. Think of the life that he gives to us, not just life for this life, but life that stretches on forever. And not just with ourselves and our loved ones, but with him. What a quality of life that is, as well as what a quantity. So all expressions of the abundant goodness and kindness of God. We see it in Jesus the Apostle, Paul, Apostle John sums it up in John 1.16 when he says, Out of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. 
blessing after blessing, gift after gift. None of it coming out of God's accounting system, all of it coming out of God's generous, kind heart. God is so very, very kind. Jesus tells us so. Jesus shows us it is so. So since God is so kind, it is no surprise at all that when the Apostle Paul sits down to draw up a list, when he wants to say to people, here's what it looks like when you come under the influence of God's Spirit. And he lists all those fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. No surprise that among all of that list, Paul would also include kindness. That one of the expressions of God being in control of us and our living would be the expression of kindness. He writes in Galatians 5, Live by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. And then he says, and the fruit of the Spirit, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness. And he says, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's practice kindness. If we value the things that God values, because we worship God above everything else, then we will be determined to be people who are kind, kind to others. For God is kind. And God delights in kindness. If we want to follow Jesus, if he's our Lord, if we want to be disciples, then let's be kind. For Jesus is kindness personified. He did kindness after kindness after kindness. To follow him, we are to do kindness after kindness after kindness. If we want to be spiritual to enjoy a relationship with God and live life as God intends it to be, then let's be kind. For the fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Being kind is part of the very basic Christian ethic. Basically, to be a Christian means to treat others as God treats us. That's Christian living. Treat others as God treats us. That's a bit beyond even treat others as you would like people to treat you. It's a kind of golden rule. I reckon Christian ethics is all about treat others as God treats us. And so we find Paul in Ephesians 4.32 saying, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. It's not just calling us to be nice. Sometimes kindness can just seem like, be nice, can't that? We even say nice and kind, you know, and so all a little bit soft. But when Paul is saying, be kind, he's saying, be Christ-like. Be Christ-like. Express the heart and the values of God. Do unto others as God has done unto you. God is very, very kind. So if we want to be imitators of God, if we want to be worshippers of God, the people of God, then one of the ways we will show that is by being kind. Not treating people as we think they deserve, not assessing them, scoring them, and giving them their reward, but being generous and gracious, acting out of a loving heart, being kind. That's the Christian way. 
Now, I want to be clear this morning that I'm not saying that only Christians are kind. And it would be a mistake if we read all of the fruit of the Spirit and we said only Christians are like that. Because that's not so, is it? You know, other people are like that too. Lots of people do kind things. Uh, recently, my wife Annette's been uh, going through a time of illness, as some of you know. And uh, lots of our Christian friends have been very kind to us, but let me tell you that some of our non-Christian friends have been very kind and generous as well. And uh, it's been very touching to receive their kindness. So it's not that only Christians can be kind. Rather, the point is that all Christians should be kind. So if this was the set of all kind people then all Christians ought to be in that set, all right? So it's not that only Christians are in there, but that all Christians ought to be in there, for it's the Christ way. Our Father delights in kindness. Our Lord Jesus personified kindness. The Holy Spirit always leads us in kindness. So our theology, our worship, our discipleship, our spirituality, they all call for us to be kind to others. Let me add this, that our mission will be more effective if we are kind to others. Kindness shows the integrity of our claim to follow Jesus. You know, if we want to go out into the community and say to people, we know Jesus, we know God, we are following him, then people have every right to expect that we would be somewhat like him and that we would act like him so that we would be kind as he is kind. So, mission, uh, so kindness will enhance our mission because it gives it integrity. We actually look like people who are followers of Jesus, who have relationship with God. Looks like we are for real when we're being kind. It also advertises the kind of life that we're inviting people to come into. You know, when we're saying to people, come and know God, walk with God, be a child of God, we're actually saying, Come and enter into this life of kindness because that's part of what God will have for you. It's not just a life that goes forever. It's a life that is expressed in kindness. So we want to advertise the quality of the Christian life. It's a life that's marked by kindness. It's about receiving kindness from God and then reflecting that out in our relating to others. Now, I think sadly, many of us don't do this particularly well. But I was talking with a young evangelist during the week, and uh, he told me that one of the things he likes to do is get around at markets and other places, and he, he goes up to non-Christians and people who look like, you know, he's not sure whether they're Christians or not, but he engages in conversation. And uh, one of the things that he's interested in hearing about is, what do you reckon about Christians? Well, what do you reckon Christians are like? And he said, the most common answer is Christians are judgmental. All right, so when people in our community hear Christian, they think judge. They think the person who's saying, well, you might be trying real hard on the ice skating rink, but I saw you, you touched the ice. Right, that's the perception that a number of people have, a large number of people have, in, uh, of Christians in our community. So they experience us as assessors and as critics rather than as people of kindness. And that's challenging, isn't it, for all of us? I find that challenging for myself. 
It's worth remembering that in Romans 2, Paul says that we shouldn't judge others, but rather keep in mind God's kindness, tolerance, and patience, realizing that God's kindness leads to repentance. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? God's kindness leads to repentance. Whereas sometimes I think we want to do mission along the lines that our judgment will lead to repentance. If you're going to change, then I need to call you out and what's wrong with your life. And I'm doing you a service when I do that. You know, here's the good news. I think you're a sinner. <laughs> All right, that's not, that's not a great approach, is it, to people? God's kindness leads to repentance. That God is reaching out. I'm not saying that God is, doesn't hold people accountable, that God is not the ultimate judge or any of that. I'm saying when God is reaching out to us, He's reaching out in love. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. I think if we want to encourage people to turn to God, we are better to appeal with love rather than with judgment. It's not ignoring necessarily what people have done, but might be saying to them, whatever you have done, whoever you are, whatever your record, whatever the quality of your performance in life, God loves you. And God wants to invite you into a life of love and of loving. That, I think, is our mission. So it's not ignoring the reality of who people are, but it's speaking from a position that says, God is so very, very kind. And whoever you are and whatever you've done, whatever your list of achievements or failings, God loves you and wants you to enter into a relationship of love with him that will be expressed in loving others. So let us be kind because it's God's way and I believe it's crucial to our mission. When Richard was talking earlier, he talked about kids' hope. I reckon kids' hope is a fabulous way of showing kindness to a local school. I've been involved in it in the past. It's a great way of breaking down barriers, of changing perceptions of Christians because we are seen as those who want to come and serve and do acts of kindness to sometimes, and it's nearly always, to the kids who are really struggling. Okay, the ones who are doing the one push-up are usually the ones who get blessed by kids' hope. So it's a great way of showing kindness, so please think about uh, following up on that invitation to be involved if you're available through the week. I'm saying Christians should be kind. I'm not saying that being kind makes us a Christian. Okay, we should note that Paul describes kindness and all the other virtues as fruit of the Spirit and not as seed. All right? It's not that uh, life grows out of them. It, they don't create life in the Spirit. They express life in the Spirit. They are the outcome of living in relationship with God. Paul's saying, live by the Spirit and you'll be kind. That'll be the, the fruit that comes. It's part of what it looks like when we are living under the influence of God. So, so first we want to make sure we are receiving the kindness of God ourselves, that we have accepted His love for us in Jesus and the life He wants to give us. And then as part of response to that, we live these lives of kindness, not thinking we are earning anything from God in the process, but simply expressing the kindness, reflecting the kindness that he's shown to us. But let me say this reflecting is not automatic, all right? It's not that if you become a Christian, suddenly you're kind, 
you know, or it's not that you wake up every morning and you say, God, I'm awake, now's the time to just infuse kindness into me, you know, it's not like, let go and let God, you know, here I am, make me kind, you know, it just doesn't work that way, well, it never works that way for me, maybe I'm a bad prayer, maybe it works that way, if it works that way for you, come and tell me, but I don't think we just say, God, here I am, passive, make me kind, that's it, you know, now I get up and I'm just full of kindness and it all happens. It's not like, you know, when Paul talks about the spirit leading, it's not like a gust of wind comes in, like last week, wasn't it, we had the gusts of wind in one day and uh, you're watching if it's leaves or anything else lying around passive objects, they're just getting thrown around the place. They're not doing anything about it, they're just getting picked up and tossed around. Well, that's not how the fruit of the spirit happens. It's not like we just go, here I am, God, passive, blow me around, you know, blow me into some kindness. That's not how it goes, right? It's Paul talks about, and interestingly, he includes being led with the Spirit. He then says, keep in step with the Spirit. And he uses a word that means be in line with, right? So line up, ready to walk, following the Spirit's lead. That's what Paul's talking about here. Nothing passive, but an active involvement in life with God. It's a call to intentionality. God, I'm awake, and today I'm going to be your person and seek to live your way. Will you help me? But there's got to be that intentionality where I'm leaning upon God and seeking his guidance and his help. It's actually a bit more like, you know, the sailor who's out in a sailing boat, a yacht or something, and he uh, puts up his sails and he positions them in order to catch the wind so that the wind might move him. And that's the way I think this works with God, that it's like we say, I'm in position, and I'm trying to catch the wind of the Spirit. What is God saying? What does God want? And then I will move in obedience. So I want to catch the wind by putting up, I'm reading your word, God. I'm praying, and I'm listening as I pray. I'm engaged with other Christians, and they're speaking into my life, God. I'm following, you know, that's, you know, I'm in position. I'm ready for you to move. And then God says, yeah, be kind. And then I say, yeah, I will. I'll go with that. I won't push against the wind. I'll go with it. I'll go with God intentionally. So it's a very active engagement with God. It's about maintaining the relationship with God through those practices that I talk about and then living that out in intentional kindness. Being prepared to go into situations and say, what would it mean to act like Jesus here? Not to give people what I reckon they deserve, but to be kind to them. What would that look like? And then do those things. So I started with a physical exercise, the push-ups, and uh, I'm going to end with a spiritual exercise. So it's not quite as taxing, but uh, it's more challenging. I want to encourage you this week to try to be kind to at least one person. You might do five or you might do ten, but do at least one person. Go into the week and say, I am determined this week that I'll try to be kind to at least one person. Treat them beyond what you reckon they deserve. I think that's what kindness is. Treating people well beyond what we reckon they deserve. It's about practicing grace unmerited love. It's about expressing generosity, overflow of abundance in our hearts. So be kind to someone. 
You know, so who can I be gracious to, generous to? Who could I be really kind to this week? Now, if you do that, you won't get a box of chocolates. All right? We'll see Tim next week for your box, all right? Um, but what I reckon you will get is not a box of chocolates, but I reckon you'll get a sense of this is living. This is living. This is living with God. This is walking with the Spirit. This is being like Jesus. This is pleasing the Father. It's being kind stuff. This is the stuff of life. This is what God made us for and saved us for. This is what God calls us to, this kind of being kind. I reckon if we exercise kindness in those ways, we have that sense that I'm walking in line, I'm aligned with God, I'm doing the work of the kingdom, I'm in step with the Spirit. This is living. This is Christian living. And I think there's a great joy that comes out of that. And there's a whole lot of meaning. You know, I reckon if you could talk to an apple tree and, and you'd talk to it at harvest time when it's full of apples, it would say, this is what it's all about. This is what being an apple tree is all about, David. It's about bearing apples and I'm loving it, right? It's the same for a Christian when we're doing these things, these fruits of the Spirit. It's living. It's not weird stuff. It's not extra stuff. It's living. It's being who God has made us to be. So try to find someone this week who you can live with in that kind of way. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's be kind. Let's do unto others as God does unto us. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are amazingly kind. All of us can sit here and think about uh, stuff we've done that you could judge us for, things we've done or things we haven't done that are sin. And Lord, uh, we're so thankful that you don't work on the basis of uh, performance, but that you relate to us on the basis of grace. And that you are indeed gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and overflowing with loving kindness. And we thank you for our experience of that and we thank you for the gift of your spirit who enables us to grow in that and to practice that. And I pray that you'll help us to do it more and more and better and better. Help us to become more like Jesus that we might bring joy to you and honor to him and life to the people around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, oh.